Welcome back. You're watching Stockwich with me, Julieta Televi. And joining me to take your stock-related questions tonight are Grant Nader from Benguela Global Fund Managers and Graham Kerner of Kerner Perspective. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS 41392 or email stockwatch at BDTV. Uh, Grant, uh, Graham, nice to see you both there this evening. Graham, if I may start with you tonight, not a bad day for the JSE today. The Orsha Index closing higher, the RAND a little bit stronger, and some really fantastic results out from Team SA. Um, in, in particular, Sun International and City Lodge. I mean, they really have pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah, well, I think the environment has obviously been a lot more favourable. You know, when, when COVID was at its worst, they, if I remember correctly, City Lodge was completely shut for probably six out of 12 months. So I think we're sort of getting back to business as usual. But if you look at City Lodge, which is a business we like, um, you know, 30 cents earning doesn't blow your hair back, but obviously they're busy rebuilding after COVID. Um, and uh, we like what we see. You know, they've, they've you know, really um, amortized the, the, the debt. And um, I think a lot of people were a little bit skeptical about the, you know, the, the business travel market um, with all this remote working, et cetera. But um, indications are that occupancy levels are, are, are recovering nicely. Um, but the team also has been investing in, in food and beverage, um, you know, mm. to try and just make their offerings a little bit more more compelling. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in the case of Sun International, it's 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 more gaming oriented. I personally feel for a very long time neglected the the portfolio, but clearly the market liked that result. Um, they were up six point eight percent. But we really like the city lodge business model, um, and it's really got a great. Under the underlying value underpinning form of all those hotel rooms. Yeah. Grant, the, the weird thing about City Lodge was that the market responded initially very positively to the results that came out. The share was up, what, about 4 or 5%. And then it closed down um, ever so slightly. Notwithstanding, mm. you know, that they've done so much better. They said the occupancies for July, I think, were 61%. Um, and they paid a dividend. Why do you think that there was... Uh, um, that reversal in terms of the share price performance over the day. Look, uh, you know, I think it's it's hard to know what was being baked into the price and what sort of prepositioning there was. But what what I will say with City Lodge, as Graham has said, they they've actually done quite a good job. They had a lot of debt to deal with, and and the post COVID recovery, unlike Sun International, has taken quite a long time. And they really start to get some nice upside gearing above the sixty percent occupancy level. Uh, in terms of their revenues and their profits, but hovering around 60, they're still going to be struggling. Um, they, I, I think I'm surprised at how long it's taken to see the occupancy recover. Mm. And perhaps, um, you know, the market was looking for a little bit more of a recovery there. I can't give you much more insight than that. Uh, I think it's a business that offers nice upside potential, but it's still carrying a bit of risk um, if things stagnate around these levels. So, yeah. uh, it's an interesting one. And Sun International, your view quickly, Grant. I mean, uh, as as Graham said, um, there's more focus on the gaming side. Sun Bet is doing mm. astounding things for them, um, and also they ho- the, the the resorts division, which owns um, you know the assets like Sun City, seem to be doing really well. Um, mm. do, do you think that there's more to be had from from Sun International if you're an, an, a, a would be investor in the share? Uh, look, I'm, I'm not sure that it's that attractively priced at these levels anymore. I mean, I think they've recovered really well. The, the gambling has been more defensive. The cash flows come through more quickly than the likes of City, which is more travel dependent. And I think it's a it's a reasonably solid business. They've diversified quite nicely. 
um, as you said, but they possibly haven't been investing enough in the old, uh, you know, hotel assets, if you like. So I think it's um, it's a steady and a safe bet here, but I don't think it's a, it's a, I don't think it's a screaming buy. I'd like to see where things settle. I think there's still a bit of challenges in the economy uh, that we're going to face, and I'd like to see how that plays out as well, okay. given the run it's had. Okay, then on the opposite side of the the coin, you had Transaction Capital, um, which came out with a trading update and an updated trading update, uh, and the news that David Hurwitz is going to leave as CEO. Um, one of the viewers asks, what does the panel make of Transaction Capital's update? Uh, Graham, it seems to be a little bit more uh, dim than, well, uh, uh, than initially hoped. Uh, in other words, they revised their forecasts lower. Yeah, I think the the reality is those businesses that have been hurting them are going to take some time to 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 turn around. There are massive challenges facing the the industry that they serve. So um, I, I I don't think it's going to turn around very very quickly. Um, and yeah, clearly the, the the leadership team or the board um, feel that a, a, a change is necessary. Um, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, for, for me. Transaction capital. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, is it a, you know, isn't this a, a, a great opportunity? And I think the reality is it could be, um, considering how well well positioned and well run it was in the past. Um, but as I said, you know, the reality of it is that it, that that the world has changed quite significantly. So um, I think for you know for a gambling person who doesn't buy Sun International, <laughs> you know, you could say, well, this thing could do very very well for you. But you need to understand there are, there's balance sheet strain, and of course there's going to be some leadership leadership uh, gyrations as well. So I, I think it's it's really on the risky end of the spectrum, um, and it's only for people that say, well, you know, this thing has lost eighty percent or ninety percent of its value. It's got to be a bargain because the core is still there, and there's probably some truth in that. But I think as Grant said about City Lodge, you know, it, it, the, the the headwinds remain for businesses like transaction capital. So I personally, being a coward, would sit it out, but I mm. do recognize that it has a history and um, and it could really catch you foot, uh, wrong-footed if you if you bet against it. Mm. Grant, where do you sit on, on, on what to do with transaction capital? Are you feeling uh, cowardly or are you gung-ho? <clears throat> uh, neither. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be an investor at this stage. And... The reason being that the business was built on the SA taxi business, which is now, as we know, is, is fallen apart. The taxi industry's profitability has declined tremendously. So the end market is is struggling. Therefore, they will struggle. They've had a massive capital impairment. I don't see that improving anytime soon. And as for the rest of the business, that needs to really pick up the the pieces and pick up the slack and grow from here. And I don't have enough confidence in the rest of the business given the headwinds they've got to deal with around SA Taxi mm. to be taking that chance. I think potentially some of those other businesses are pretty good, but how do you know how much value they're going to be, you know, how much of their value is going to be eaten away by the issues at, at the rest of the business? They've said it's ring-fenced, but it's very difficult to completely ring-fence these things unless you literally carve it out completely. Management's time and attention, uh, capital from the business, everything's going to be sucked into trying to pull that business right. Yeah. So no, I wouldn't be a okay. I wouldn't be a buyer. I mean, it is interesting that they've got Chris Seabrook, who um, for, uh, who heads up Savvest, which is a very savvy um, 
uh, investments holding company to, to chair, mm. uh, I guess, the committee to deal with funders. Um, and, and so maybe there is kind of, you know, they've hived off. So when you talk about management attention, you know, they've actually got a, an external person to kind of help them with this. I don't know what you, what you thought about that. I don't think, think that is a, is a slam dunk a reason to buy it. I mean, look okay. at EOH um, bringing in uh, Greg McCullough, I think it is, who, who came with a high pedigree, who's worked hard for five years and still hasn't been able to really turn that business around. So hmm. no, I want to I see some, some okay. traction and some evidence. I wouldn't touch it. Yeah, okay. Well, on, on EOH, <laughs> of yours says, is EOH a dripping roast, a 10-bagger, or a no-go? So, uh, Graham, I'll get your thoughts and then go back to Grant. <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, you know, it's one of those companies who has caused so much pain. It reminds me of Die Data, you know, when, when it London listed and went through the roof and then, you know, came to earth with a, with a thud. Um, of course, the... You know, the, let's call it fraud and the irregularities is what, what really hurt EOH. Um, I think Stephen has done an incredible job at, at rebuilding that business with a lot of hard work and a, and a good team around him. Um, you know, if you look at it, you know, it's got a market cap now of under a billion rand. I still think at its core, it has um, significant a, a significant client base. It has a significant position in the market. I think they've become a lot more focused so, um, you know, whether it's 10-bagger or not, I don't know. But I do think that um, a lot of hard work has been done. And I think a little bit of good news will go a very long way. But it's not going to shoot up to 10 bucks in a hurry. I think a lot of work mm. still needs to be done. But I would argue for, for betting people, you know, we were talking about Sun International and, and things like this. This thing is, is very, very risky. Um, but you know they could very well be successful in employing some money money back from you know previous uh, uh, leadership. And uh, as I say, I think that at its core, it's still a decent business that does good work into principally the private sector. So, uh, but it comes with health warnings as long as my arm. It, it's not for sissies <laughs> yeah. and widows and orphans. But I think it's one of those businesses where if you think that. Stephen has done um, enough to turn this business around on a five-year view. For patient people, I think, who've got a lot of risk appetite, I think it could be quite a, quite a rewarding one. Yeah. Grant, your thoughts? And also, um, the, I mean, the people who supported the rights issue, there were a lot of, uh, interestingly enough, EOH has a lot of smaller retail shareholders, mm -hmm. not big institutions. Um, but there are some mm -hmm. big, big private shareholders with lots of cash who, who backed them. I kind of, you know, wonder what you make of that, and and if that is reason enough for for a lay, you know, a lay investor such as ourselves mm -hmm. to to go after them. I think you find in a situation like this, there's often a lot of trapped money, and these guys have no choice but to follow the rights to to, to preserve what they've already invested, um, and that does keep some of a something of a lid on the share price for quite a length of time. There's always these willing sellers the moment you get some upside, but you know, if I was a retail investor. Uh, and I like the look of this. I would put a little bit in my in my let's have a go box uh, on the side. I wouldn't build a portfolio around it. You know, allocate a couple of percent if you if you've got that appetite. And 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 by all means, but as you know, um, Graham said, just be aware of of your risk. Uh, don't put too much into it. And you might you might see some upside. But I think like many of these smaller caps, it's actually quite dependent on the bigger SA economy uh, and the narrative that's happening there. And if you see some upside. 
an improvement in our outlook in the next three to five years. Yeah. I think a lot of these little companies could deliver quite nicely for you. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, and also I suppose the other problem that EOH contends with is that there are so many bargains of companies that didn't go through the ringer uh, to the extent that it did. It had to go through, mm. you know, the fraud, etc. So you've actually got bargains of companies that are still decently run that didn't have any big issues. So you'd probably buy those first and maybe they're going to suck up the capital rather than an EOH. Sadly. Yes, yeah. yes. I think that's fair. But, but maybe just... I'll offer a slightly different view on that. Of course, it is a technology-focused business, and the world is very heavily technology-dependent, and it's going to be increasingly so. So they are probably somewhat differently positioned to a lot of traditional SA industrials, um, you know, because they 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 are in the right space. But, yeah. but I think Grant's point is well made. It it's not unique in offering uh, potential value and upside for for people who've got. Patience and risk appetite. Yeah. What about Renogen? Um, Graham, what's the view of the panel regarding Renogen? Is it a good long-term buy or not? Newsflow has gone quite quiet there. They were quite active, uh, if you think about it, in the last year. But um, is that a good sign or a bad sign in your view? Um, well, I think the reason they've gone a little bit quiet is there was a lot of excitement um, around it. Obviously, it went into the stratosphere. And then I think the market, and obviously, you know, they need to tap into, into fresh capital. And I think the market's now saying, okay, now we want to see you deliver all the, the you know, all this underground potential. So um, I think it's moved from being a, a very exciting prospect to a story where people want to see delivery. But truthfully, I'm not, I'm not close enough to it to, to mm -hmm. say whether it's, you know, after this pullback is, is offering an opportunity. Yeah. Grant, your thoughts? I mean, look there at uh, the share price performance today and, and, and that there wasn't one. It was basically, uh, well, I don't know if it, it closed flat, um, but it may have even been untraded, which is quite interesting. Renogen was a real go-go stock about a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think, yeah, as Graham says, people are biding their time to see what, what next mm -hmm. comes out of the company? Uh, yeah, I think so. Look, it's an interesting one. It's not really in our investable universe. From what I've seen, they've got quite a nice untapped asset but of course it's not worth anything until you can get it out of the ground so as Graham said it's time for them to show us that they can extract value and extract cash flows from this asset and I think they've started but in the context of the larger pool of assets they're, they're really in the early stages I'm quite glad it's gone quiet because the CEO seemed for a long time to be very focused on hyping up the share price hyping up investors and actually I'd rather they just focused on getting the job done mm. and the rest will take care of itself so um, yeah, that's where I am on that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm quite sympathetic towards towards a, a bit of hype because you've also got to encourage investors in because you're going to need capital to to do what you want to do. So you've got to create a, a story around the company. Um, but as you say, you know, there's a fine line, I guess. Uh, the, one of the, the great offenders of the SENS statement abuse was Sabanya Stillwater. And there is a question on that, uh, um, uh, a question actually on Sabanya and also PGM stocks in general. Um, Sabanya being, uh, is it too early for a buy but worth watching for a future opportunity? And then another viewer wants to know whether uh, there is value in platinum shares at these prices. Uh, Graham, on Sabanya Stillwater first. Yeah, um, I, I personally am, am, am warming to the, the platinum stocks. Um, in our fund, for example, we started nibbling at a few ampats a little while ago, and I'm not terribly unhappy that it's fallen because we can we can buy more. But I think the 
You know, there, there, there are quite a few moving parts in, in demand, particularly if you look, you know, over the over the next five years. Um, but I, I think there's there's enough of a uh, an outside bet on on platinum being a beneficiary because you know a lot of people are saying, well, it's, you know, it's going to be EV cars and nothing else. But I do think there's space for other technologies, and I think the platinum guys stand to benefit from from that. Um, if you look at what the platinum price has done over ten years. Um, you know, there's there's no great incentive for anybody to really become aggressive and, and roll out new capacity. So, you know, sooner or later, um, you know, with, with costs going up and prices not not uh, reacting, um, I believe capacity will come out, uh, come offline. I'm talking about supply, and I think Amplets is is very very well positioned because of of their restructured operations and, and being more mechanized. And I do understand that Mukalakwenya has has had some grade issues, but um, I think out of them, what I'm saying is, you know, Amplatz has got a, you know, the mighty Anglos, I think this is an 80% shareholder. So, yeah. you know, if they if they do need a, a bit of funding and, and need patience, the Anglos, I think, can do that. Where, Yeah, so in, in answer to the question, um, it, it's specky. We generally are very, very underweight commodity stocks, but we think that uh, the, the platinum sector or the PGMs have been marked down too far. And remember, they don't just produce platinum, yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be a long time before you know Russian palladium is going to be wanted in the world again. So um, it's a it's a little bit of a spec, but I think the the you know it's a it's an improving story. Okay, so <clears throat> so an improving story, and your pick within that would be Amplets. Grant, how about you? Uh, do you feel similarly? Uh, and on Sabanya Stillwater is it a company that you would look at. Um, it's not just a PGM player; it's got I guess the gold ops, although they, those are sort of being, you know, run down. It's also got uh, nickel and, and uh, you know, a couple of other mm-hmm. um, elements that it's interested in in growing as a business. Uh, so my my view on that, uh, first of all, I think the plats are getting cheaper. I think you could start to nibble on them again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is the line in the sand because we really don't have any visibility on the supply-demand equation around the PGM metals. The Russian supply that was supposed to disappear hasn't. Uh, a lot of that's found its way to market, so there's been a far there's been no reaction based on that. Um, and the cost pressures are still very high for the SA miners between Transnet and Eskom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Margins are still coming under pressure, so it's in a tough space. They look cheap-ish, but they could get mm-hmm. cheaper. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't rush in to buy a lot, but I don't see any harm in buying some because. In these cyclicals, you never know where exactly you're going to find the bottom or where you're going to find the, you know, where the turning point is. So don't even try. Yeah. Um, and then it's, with regard to, to Sibanya, uh, I personally prefer um, some of the purer plays. I, I think Sibanya has got some green metals now that they're moving toward. But if you want green metal exposure, rather, I think you could look at a Glencore or a South 32 for more uh, um, concentrated exposure in those spaces. And I think some of the amplats of the world and um, potentially implats are better opportunities in the platinum space. You know, Sibania hasn't got the greatest palladium asset. So um, just my own opinion, I would also probably start with amplats and work down from there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then a question on uh, if you had to choose one, would it be Quilter or 91? Um, Graham, Quilter's actually had a fabulous year on the JSE. 
So one of the shares we don't really talk about often, and there it is, up what I think it was up about 30 odd percent at one point. Uh, and 91 kind of doing, well, not down f uh, for th uh, 30 odd percent, but it certainly hasn't done wonders this year. Um, but which would you go for at this point? Yeah, I think obviously Quilt and more, more of a UK, where UK play. Um, and, and 91 has AUM around the world, but um, I think seemed to be more of a, a, a South African market beneficiary. Um, and I think they've got different drivers. Um, obviously, Quilt itself is. Um, as a, it's been well run. Um, I think, like all asset management players, has been hurt by by markets. It, it itself looks cheap, but I think you know companies like Ninety One and Coronation really do give you um, both exposure to offshore markets because all of them have offshore um, AUM. But if the SA market is as cheap as we think it is and could rebound you could get some wonderful performance. So I, I would I would say just sort of not knowing Quilter uh, quite well enough, I would argue 91, but I'm actually, you know, very drawn to coronation. I do know that this year's earnings have been smashed because of the the the, the SARS issue. But um, once that's behind them, um, they'll offer you wonderful gearing to the market and the dividend payout ratio is incredible. So I think Coronation 91 and even Quilter, all of them good players, but I would probably in that space back Coronation, understanding though that it's going to be a bad year for them. Mm. Okay. Uh, Grant, actually, I think I was talking total nonsense about Quilter being up 30% here to date. So oh, I don't know where I fished <laughs> that figure from, but um, uh, if, you had to, if you had to pick one, which would it be? So I, I wouldn't generally pick Quilter. I think they don't have the scale they need to be that competitive in the UK. They are slightly different to the Coro and the 91 because they're more wealth management and uh, platform, you know, IFA advisor focused. But um, they're, they're dressing themselves up for some sort of buyout or M&A activity. So just, okay. you know, for those who are willing to speculate, that's on the table. Outside of that, I would rather lean into a 91. I think they've got a far better platform and distribution capacity. They've got... More than 50% of the AUM is offshore. Yeah. Uh, I, I like it as a business. Yes, they're subject to markets like all these asset managers. So in tough markets, they're going to struggle. But in a good market, they'll get a nice bit of um, extra gearing to the upside. Uh, and I prefer them to Coro because I think their global distribution and offering is superior. Okay. A very quick question before I get to your stock picks without eating into it too much. Um, since India is one of the fastest growing economies in the world, how can yes. I get exposure to its markets? Grant, um, are there ETFs? Would you want to? I haven't seen an SA ETF and it's a very, uh, it's a market that there's a lot of interest in. It's very difficult to access. I know there are ADRs listed in the US and in the UK. So if you can trade in the US and the UK, there are some listed um, secondary listings of those companies there. In terms of direct access to India for South African, I haven't seen it, not even as an institution. Mm. So I, I can't, I don't know if Graham's had a different experience, but it's a tough market to access. Yeah, Graham, very quickly. Yeah, I'm just having a look on the Satrix website and they have a, seemingly they have an India, an MSCI India uh, feeder ETF. I don't know, you know, what platforms it's available on, but that gives you you know, about 10% reliance, ICIC bank, uh, you know. Oh, that's in, a good option. So, yeah. yeah. So I, okay. I would have a look at that. Go, maybe go onto the Satrix website and have a look for the MSCI India. Okay. Fund. All right. And then very quickly, each of you, your stock picks, Grab, sticking with you. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to go with African Rainbow Capital, um, small cap, reasonably small cap, about 8 billion rand. Um, you know, really interesting underlying portfolio, um, quite a lot of excitement. We like the financial services portfolio and this thing trades at a big discount. So I think, you know, once the, the results are out and everybody knows what's going on, my sense is they'll be buying back. So I think there's a window of opportunity. Having said that, though, it's very, very illiquid. I mean, you yeah. know, today something like 60,000 shares traded. So please don't rush out and go and lift the offers at, at 5.96 tomorrow morning. You can be patient, just sit on the bid, and I think you'll get your stock quite cheaply. But try and do it before uh, before everything's out in, in the okay. domain. Uh, and Grant, how about you? <laughs> I'm literally on the polar opposite side of the spectrum. I'm, I'm calling Richmond as a buyer. It's, it's pulled back about 28% from its high. And when you see these higher quality businesses give you a proper uh, healthy pullback, um, and if you're thinking about building a portfolio, these are absolutely, you know, blue chip quality. You want to be nibbling on a pullback. You don't want to worry about timing or valuation. It's come down to reasonable levels, um, and it's a quality rand hedge. Um, you, you can go a lot further wrong than buying Richemont. Yeah. So that's my stock pick. Okay, well, we, as we offer uh, viewers both ends of the market spectrum. Thank you uh, to you <laughs> both for joining us this evening. Uh, Grant Nader is from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Graham Kuna is of Kuna Perspective. And coming up, the close. Stay with us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.